Greetings, my friends. This is Wolfgang with Tools for Ascension. And today I'm talking about me. Who is Wolfgang? I was hesitant to do this video because I do not want people to follow me because of what I am, like an authority, but because, uh, you know, if it resonates with you, you know, as, as truth, you know, this is I want you to do, you know, uh, trust in yourself. I have seen too many blind followers, you know, who put uh, gurus or other authorities on pedestals, you know, given their power away to them. Ah, save me, you know, knight in the shining armor. And then they have to put them down later, you know, when they wake up to the uh, truth, to their own truth, you know, they're seen, you know, the flaws. In, in the gurus and uh, the distortions in their teachings. So, um, you know, you save yourself. Uh, I give you some tools and uh, you do the work. You know, I help you here and there. It's, it's like uh, teaching somebody how to fish. You know, and then they can uh, fish for themselves and feed themselves. You know, uh, I don't want to be the one fishing for you, or I'm not responsible for your life. I'm not your daddy. Uh, also, I was hesitant uh, about sharing about myself because I'm actually a very private person. And, um, but um, previously, um, I was also hesitant about uh, sharing some of my mystical experiences and have found uh, that it resonates with a lot of people and confirmed some of their own experience, you know. So um, uh, it was very helpful and I haven't had any negative uh, feedback as such, which is uh, kind of amazed me. So I'm asking now that uh, anything that comes from this video is going to be for the highest good in divine harmony with the most benevolent outcomes. Amen. So uh, now the self, you know, is a very important question for self-discovery. And um, personally, I'm actually an enigma to myself, uh, like uh, most of you uh, to your own self. Uh, much of what I know about myself, um, I mean, besides the obvious, is uh, through the reflection of other people. Uh, but this is how the game seems to go. You know, we are not an island to ourselves, we are all connected, and ultimately we have to help each other. Uh, just like, let's say, in Buddhism, you know, the Mahayana path, uh, where you advance by helping others to evolve instead of just focusing only on your own evolution is considered the fastest path. And, well, again, let's not give a power away, but empirically I found uh, this true for myself. Um, and, uh, you know, Let's just talk about some misconception. You know, there is this idea that uh, once you reach Satori or enlightenment, and then it's all done. Uh, that's just as true as any promise of any advertisements. <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, you know, just where they promise you, you know, hey, if you get this souped-up car, you know, or your new boobs, or, you know, whatever, you know, your problems will be solved. Will be solved. And uh, so the same is for the Hindu idea of mukti, of liberation. Uh, let me tell you, expansion of consciousness keeps on going throughout the dimension, you know, till you join our Godhead, you know, through your high self. Or you become a plaything of a Godhead, you know, of the Supreme Creator. And uh, on esoteric levels of spirituality, there is a big fight about the issue of, you know, becoming one with God or being eternally a servant of the Supreme Creator. And <laughs> but, uh, hey, uh, who are we to fight about these issues? You know, this is kind of like... Uh, at least at the level that we are as, you know, how many angels can reside on the tip of a needle, you know, that's this old useless armchair philosophy discussion. So let's just get back into my, uh, into my personal life. Um, basically, I was born in Germany, um, post-war Germany, uh, into trauma and psychic attack, you know, it's the only way I can say so, you know, uh, my parents came out of the war, uh, they grew up, you know, the teenage years in the war, they've seen horrible things, they were uh, highly disturbed. And um, so my grandfather, my great-grandfather, you know, was cursed by a secret society, I, I'm not gonna call any names here, and my uh, grandfather was rejected by his mother uh, and did not get any love and, oh God, <laughs> he married an evil woman <laughs> that was actually demonically possessed and so, uh, you know, my mother did not have a good time growing up. Uh, then uh, my father kicked my mother into the stomach, you know, while she was pregnant with me. Uh, probably survivor guilt uh, from the war, you know. And anybody that knows about rebirth and the theory of rebirthing, you know, or any, I think, decent psychologist, you know, should know that, you know, your birth is probably one of the biggest traumas you're ever going to have in your life. So I was ten and a half pound. European pounds. And, uh, well, my mother was unconscious uh, during birth. Uh, I got stuck. Uh, I was blue when I got out. And uh, so that was quite some trauma, I guess. And uh, then, of course, as a result of that, um, that's the theory of uh, Leonard Orr and other psychologists. Um, you know, at puberty, you know, you become very depressed due to this kind of large pain body, you could say. Uh, and then, of course, uh, my mother uh, could not nurse me, and uh, her mother could not nurse her either. You know, and I think there's a lot of deep bonding and pheromones going on when there's nursing. No, I didn't have that. And my mother was also electroshocked uh, by the... Uh, good psychiatrist, you know, uh, who didn't even bother to explore 
and find out that she had postpartum depression. And also my mom had several suicide attempts uh, before I was six. So um, there was a lot of trauma I was born into and um, anybody probably understands that a little baby, whether it's in the womb or around the mother, cannot distinguish between its own emotions and the emotions of others. So, yeah, I grew up in a pretty nasty emotional soup. Uh, then at the age of three and four, I was actually psychically uh, attacked in my dreams through nightmares uh, in high resolution. Lucid dream quality, I don't want to get into any details, but this was not made up by my own fantasy, what I saw, you know, these were, <laughs> you know, this was uh, some high intelligence, not a good one doing this. And um, let's just uh, go ahead and so as a teenager, you know, I read the existentialist uh, like Camus and Sartre and uh, saw, you know, life as a pointless principle of biology, you know, you survive. And um, I was, of course, uh, manic depressive or bipolar. And I felt trapped in my small idyllic German town, uh, you know, which is kind of like in its beauty as, as Heidelberg. Uh, plus, I have to say, I was, uh, or I still am, a very sensitive person, and there is still a lot of trauma just floating around those old cities uh, from old times, from wars, um, from people that have never been cleared before. Um, that is a fact, you know, in India or other places, you know, there are regularly um, ceremonies being performed to purify the ethers and that has not happened in Europe, so there's a lot of pain in the area and I probably felt that too. So anyhow, um, I did not like the uh, bourgeois scene uh, that I saw around me, you know, none of the adults uh, around me inspire me <laughs> and you know I was an atheist and I um, I thought I don't want to live like that you know for maybe another 80 years uh, you know nobody asked me to be here um, I don't like it and I don't have no responsibility to anybody else besides maybe the suffering I will cause my parents so I decided to um, give myself two years, you know, to look for happiness. And if I couldn't find it, if I couldn't find out those principles, uh, I'd maybe kill myself. You know, I mean, it was pretty radical <laughs> and sincere. So uh, also, um, being an atheist, you know, I uh, challenged God. You know, I, I, I told him, you know, if you were around, if there's a God around, uh, you better show yourself, you know, you got two years. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I was, I was serious. Well, actually, the goddess came and uh, saved me uh, through an experience of uh, divine love. Uh, I uh, talk about this in a video, The Divine Kiss. And so I decided to keep searching for happiness and truth and do not kill myself.
um, in order you know to explore myself and the world around me uh, I studied face reading and uh, it helped me a lot I also um, studied philosophy and uh, fine art well I th I thought, you know, among all the people I, I met in my life so far, the artists were the coolest. You know, they were laid back, they were thinking outside of the box, and I mean, they were just <laughs> not bourgeois, not boring, you know, living at the edge, being free thinkers. And I mean, I was good at art too, so that, and I also decided to study philosophy. Um, you know, philosophy uh, is massaging the secrets of life, you know, exploring, you know, how we think. And, you know, I studied the uh, critique of science, you know, uh, as a field. And, uh, of course, aesthetics, you know, Schopenhauer, the world as imagination and will. Uh, beautiful, beautiful book. And, yeah, I mean, I, I read Nietzsche, but... <laughs> You know, a, a strong man armchair philosophy, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he hated women, but he was maintained by his four sisters. You know, I mean, what a noble man he was. <laughs> right? Oh, disgusting, you know. Anyhow, um, so uh, I ultimately, you know, I, I, I lost uh, my interest in, in philosophy because my philosophy professors, they just switched theories or aspects, you know, how to look at life as it pleased them. And they did not have any superior quality of life or maybe wisdom or more love than anybody else. So, um, plus, uh, who was this? Well, um, there was uh, one one uh, author that put out this beautiful book. Well, uh, I don't recall the name right now, but uh, basically uh, he, he just published a small book and, and he said, and, and he was a famous philosopher, he said uh, that if you really look at it from a big perspective, you know, philosophy is mental speculation. You're on the mental plane, you know, you discussing philosophies but if you want to know its truth you know you have to become empirical you know you have to see how it relates to the physical 3d reality and basically it's coming down to bean counting you know just statistics and so <laughs> that was it for me with philosophy uh, so um, but uh, then I had some really foul experiences uh, with meditation, you know, things where I experienced like uh, mind over matter, basically. And um, I uh, also heard about uh, yogis that were telling jokes in, in front of the temple in India. and. Uh, you know, when you are funny, or people listen, and you always had a big crowd around him, and uh, so he could tell it to them straight, just uh, disguised as uh, humor. And I, I thought this is uh, pretty cool too. And he was a full-blown mystic. You know, that's what I heard. So, um, you know, as a comedian, you have this liberty, you know, to 
rub your finger into the sore spot of society, you know, where they're stuck up and, and I, I just, I just love this. And, um, well, I also had some encounters with the violent part of life. Uh, you know, something with a <laughs> really low-end uh, bikers, Hell's Angels, but they didn't have any bikes, you know, those were like teenagers. Anyhow, um, you know, I kind of felt powerless, and um, so I kind of how women feel, you know, when they uh, get attacked, and so I decided to learn martial arts, and I... Uh, it was uh, quite a foul thing, you know. Um, I once beat up five, five guys simultaneously in the army, and this was with Yujitsu alone, you know, a Jason Bourne experience. And uh, probably, I think, my high self, you know, some other parallel aspects of mine stepped in. This is my um, my opinion. And, and then, uh, but, you know, if you live like a warrior, you know, every person that comes towards you, you know, you, you see, you know, are they carrying any weapons, you know, how are their hands, and, you know, how would they attack me, you know, how would I take them out, and I didn't like that kind of mindset, so I, I, I ultimately I gave martial arts up, but uh, it gave me a freedom, you know, to move around freely in society, and, uh, you know, allowed me to travel alone around the world. And it saved, uh, probably saved my life a few times too. Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, while doing martial arts, uh, let's say I practiced knocking out candles, you know, by, you know, stopping my fist about a quarter of an inch in front of the, the flame, this kind of things, uh, and you know, hit a couple of people just tapped their throat and just said, nah, we don't want to fight, do you? <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see, what else are we going to talk? Um, well, yeah, the violent side of life. I had my run-in with the military. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, I, I had uh, one, one girlfriend, you could say, her father was a general, you know, in charge of many people. And so I was invited home, and yeah, I uh, told him, I told him what I thought <laughs> you know, is right. And I told him that, in my opinion, you know, the military is the dog for the military-industrial complex, you know. And then behind my back, behind my back, he called me a coward. Does the coward speak up to uh, the father of of his girlfriend I mean I don't know uh, what what this man was thinking then I had another I had an uncle you know who was a major he, he was not a Nazi um, uh, he had an iron cross and uh, he kept his men you know alive in two world wars. I mean, he was uh, definitely a brave, brave person. And, you know, I had long hair. <laughs> and then, in a letter, not to my face, but in a letter, you know, he criticized me of being dirty and uncivilized, you know, because, just because I had long hair. 
and I just wrote him back that well you know I, that I take about a shower and wash my hair every second day you know in my dojo and besides swimming practices and then I also said that with a character thing, you know, Albrecht Dürer, you know, who was maybe considered the greatest German Renaissance artist, and Jesus Christ had long hair, and that long hair is not really a sign of a bad character. And then this uh, glorious man takes me out of his will. You know, he, he gets defeated in an argument. What a chivalrous person, <laughs> and, and takes me out of the will. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, um, plus my other, you know, I was forced to join the military and, um, you know, uh, we did this uh, exercise uh, where, we, you know, you had to storm um, a forest. You know, you're in the field and uh, you have your lines, five people jump, five people lay down, you know, and... Of course, once they reached the forest, you know, the, the soldier there said, well, I, you know, I killed you over there, you know. And so I asked the officer in front of everybody, so what do you think? You know, how many people, you know, are storming the forest would have survived? And he, he said, 50%. So I went around our group, okay, so you live, you're dead, you live, you're dead, you live, you're dead, you know. And then just this whole idea of, sacrificing people to conquer a forest, you know, the suffering, you know, of limbs are being lost for the rest of their life, the horror, the parents that just nourished these children. Um, I, this really, uh, you know, uh, I, I, how to say this, you know, I, I don't think there's any glory or you know it's war is a horrible thing so I mean in this way I'm a pacifist but I, I will definitely defend myself anyhow um, so ah yeah and the philosopher I think was called Liechtenstein you know that reduced uh, philosophy to bean counting in the end so, um, at the end of my studies, I started uh, meditating and also uh, chanting. I chanted Om Namah Shivaya, and I did it for hours. I had a beautiful recording, you know, cranked up my stereo all the way up and just chanted for hours, and my life just changed dramatically. Uh, uh, I had uh, beautiful experiences uh, with friends. Uh, you know, I became very attractive to the opposite sex. I, you know, and just a little miracles. You know, would happen. I mean, uh, so let's say, you know, uh, uh, one day I was talking to my friend. I said, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, uh, I like to have uh, some birds in my room. You know, they give life and, uh, you know, they're beautiful. I think this would raise my consciousness. And then he goes, well, um, you should get a parrot. They're very intelligent. <laughs> so we went to a, a pet store and, yeah, parrots were 500 bucks a piece. And I declined. Well, the next day, I mean, I was cramming in the botanical gardens. And the next day I took the long road home, you know, through a park.
And yeah, there in the tree was a parrot. You know, I went ahead, caught it, <laughs> took it home, gave my friend a call, and he came back with, with a cage, with a parrot cage. Uh, so many things like this happen in my life where my desires uh, were fulfilled. You know, I was uh, I got initiated by uh, the Siddha Yoga Muktananda Swami. You know, through um, Shaktipad. I mean, it's basically an energy transfer. And uh, you know, he was famous for having done this in Haight Asbury. Uh, and you know, just touching people's heads and uh, cheating them up, and then they would go into meditation. Well, uh, I've done things too like this. I have to say, uh, on Gemma Middle Show, you know, I use my wand to zip people up, you know, to charge them up, open their nadis, crown chakra, etc., and they go on to meditation too. You know, my own style, but somehow. I follow in that line of, of those gurus. I mean, I had several gurus, and I'm not mentioning them all by name. Um, well, also as a student, you know, I uh, and this was quite a uh, important experience for me. Uh, I ate brown rice, you know, just brown rice, boiled in water, no salt, nothing, for one week. You know, I was told, oh, then you can see uh, your dreams in color. So, uh, well, I had cold feet and cold hands, but uh, it was very, very liberating uh, because, um, you know, I could see, like, you know, you could get, like, a, a kilo of brown rice for 350 and you could live a, probably a week or two weeks <laughs> of that. So I realized I can live off nothing, you know, if I have to. You know, it's, it's not a problem. I can survive. You know, so a lot of fear uh, about life and how to maintain myself in the future was was taken away. And when I looked at shopping windows, you know, it's just like oh, I I realized I don't need all this stuff. You know, so a lot of detachment came from that. And uh, you know, consequently, I uh, investigated uh, vegetarianism, exp explored microbiotics, and uh, other styles of of eating. Um, then after I finished my studies, I uh, uh, went uh, to uh, Sri Lanka uh, with a former uh, Buddhist monk. I had a really good time there and I have to say for the uh, four months that I spent there I had a lot of mystical experiences, uh, more probably uh, than you know, compared in the time frame that I did in my six years that I spent in India. You know, I saw halos, you know, uh, on people, I mean, full-blown halos. I'm not talking aura, I'm talking blazing white light halos. <laughs> uh, I, I also probably wore a halo, you know, I saw people looking up at me and that jaw dropped. Uh, I was introduced to the macrocosmic orbit, uh, you know, basically a mystic entered my body and showed me this. Um, I connected with uh, the uh, water turtle, you know, on a DNA level. I, I lived with a shaman and uh, I saw the shaman's helper, you know, being possessed by Kali, dancing in the fire, touching coals with his hand. I have a video on that where I talk about this. 
I had a lot of crown chakra experiences, you know, where I, I didn't know at that time <laughs> what a crown chakra was, but, you know, where I'm sitting in a bus and uh, suddenly, you know, I have this kind of feeling above the head, you know, in some Christian paintings, you know, you see the apostles with a little flame above the head. Well, the flame they're showing is quite piddly. <laughs> But it kind of, it just felt like this flame over the head, and I knew this was not for me. And when I looked around in the bus, and suddenly I always saw one of those old country folks, you know, in simple clothes, you know, kind of looking at me, or you know, thinking, "Oh, kind of, you caught me," you know. Uh, so you know, I picked up on that, or you know, I was smoking, let's say, a cigarette in the park, and a gentleman walks up to me and says, uh, "Sir." You know, a person like you should not smoke cigarettes. A person like me, you know, I mean, this like blew my mind. Um, so uh, another big thing that happened in, to me in Sri Lanka uh, was like uh, in Colombo, the capital, I found out that you could hire the state gallery like for I think it was like hundred bucks a day, something like this, you know, for a Westerner, you know, cheap, dirt cheap. And uh, so I went to the German embassy and, you know, said I want to do an exhibition. They just laughed at me and said, well, we have display panels. <laughs> We're not going to organize an exhibition for you. And, you know, I had brought my uh, final art exams, um, pictures, you know, What's this big format? You know, I had maybe 50 of those. Well, uh, I uh, I got a poster designed. Um, I painted those panels. Um, uh, I got uh, interviewed uh, by uh, the Columbus State newspaper. I was in front on the front page with my interview. Uh, I had two pictures on the front, I had a radio interview, and uh, yeah, I had a big darn art exhibition in Columbus. <laughs> and uh, so, and I was observing myself, you know, all the art students came and, uh, you know, I was wearing this silk quarter and I had two Olympus cameras, you know, both with motor drive around my neck. So I was Mr. Big Shot, and those guys, they were just kind of worshipping me. Oh, so you're wonderful, and we love your stuff. And when I looked around, you know, I saw those people maybe uh, spending like... The, the really good ones were spending five minutes on those panels trying to absorb, you know, the message I was trying to give. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and I realized, you know, uh, they may be getting 5% of the ideas that I put in there and you know I somehow rejected fame at that time you know I, I, I realized you know this adoration of fame is, is for the wrong reasons you know they don't really know me they don't really understand my art you know there's not enough time and and it's uh, it was a I mean it was nice but uh, it was not something uh, that I wanted to pursue as the goal of my life, like my uh, art professor did. Um, no.
and um, also in Sri Lanka, you know, I fulfilled some other dreams, you know. Uh, of course, the third world is very cheap, uh, you know, compared to Western standards. So I, I rented a whole old British villa, you know, with an atrium, balcony at the beach. And we had two servant boys, you know, gophers, two, you know, who would get water, cook, and <laughs> do errands. And uh, I, I was living a dream, you know. I mean, I was skin diving um, at the beach, and I could go 20 yards down, you know, without a bottle. You know, I had a harpoon, but I decided not to kill any fish anymore. And uh, there were beautiful coral reefs, and the fishermen took me out in their catamarans, and I mean, it was beautiful. And I, I realized, uh, though I was living what most people are dreaming of, uh, I got used to it. You know, after two, three months, you know, uh, I did not appreciate the beauty of the palms and the beach anymore. You know, it's just, and I realized, you know, you get used to everything. You know, uh, even uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to have beautiful girlfriends in my life and I also noticed you get used to it you know after some time you you, you know you realize oh this nose is not completely straight <laughs> you know so um, whatever level you are in life uh, you know you get used to it uh, I mean even when I was living with a shaman in, in the jungle deep in the jungle and I was eaten every day white rice and the banana flower, I mean the flower of a banana tree, chopped up with salt and chili. And that was it, you know, every day, you know, for two weeks. Uh, I enjoyed every second meal, just like I pretty much enjoy every second meal, you know, that is very nicely prepared nowadays, or ever, t any time. So we get used to any standard of living that we are so, um, maybe this is a little private, but I also, <laughs> well, sexuality is, is a big thing for most people. So, uh, I mean, for everybody, it's, I think, one of the biggest urges there is, and so I should talk about it. Um, once I had an experience, and this is funny, at a party, you know, um, there was this beautiful girl, and uh, and so you know I was sitting next to her, and I, you know I thought our hands touched, and I fondled her hands, you know caressed her hands for about fifteen minutes, and then after fifteen minutes I realized that I was fondling the hand of my friend. <laughs> who also thought that he was fondling her hand. <laughs> and of course, you know, at the time where we, we were not knowing what was going on, we had a great time. And of course, once we realized, we just laughed and laughed and thought it was very funny. But it shows, you know, the illusion of the mind or the context of the mind. It's not necessarily rubbing 
of, of skin tenderly it is more like thinking oh this is a beautiful person you know the social standing is very high and you know she is or he is very difficult to get you know those things you know make a lot um, from the um, psychological uh, you know uh, titillation of, of sexuality and so yeah I had an experience in Sri Lanka and this was kind of one <laughs> really important one so I was kissing this girl in the dark and then I realized this probably feels exactly the same you know as if I'm kissing my grandmother you know it's just uh, the physically the same it's the same sensation you know so the the difference is just in the fantasy and so uh, these kind of realization they uh, actually enabled me to later on in my life uh, to be 12 years celibate so you know I, I went through this uh, realizations and um, this voluntarily performance of celibacy and uh, many people in the ashrams where I lived thought I was gay because I would not hit on women <laughs> little did they know and um, so well uh, when I was uh, I went after living six years uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here um, well, this this uh, experience of celibacy uh, enabled me uh, to manifest the divine male energy. Um, you, you know, because you you have to have, uh, you know, you cannot be just a slave of your gonads. You know, then the divine male energy cannot manifest. And so, you know, I was also able, you know, to massage women, you know, without uh, becoming lusty, you know or hold space, you know, for a loving space, you know, for very attractive women, you know, without becoming attracted as such, you know. Uh, I, I worked with a lot of strippers, you know, and, and uh, it was, they, they were coming to me because uh, every other male, you know, they, they could not work with, you know. I mean, of course, they would try their seduction thingies on, on me, you know, I mean, that's, I think, natural. Uh, but, you know, they could see, you know, I was uh, genuine, you know, genuine, kind of pure. And, um, well, actually, you know, I found, we found that uh, most trippers, they were, in their past lives, they were priestesses for Aphrodite, or, you know, other goddesses, you know, doing sexual healings. So, <laughs> so um, uh, so, I, you know, at this time, you know, I had it all, you know, I had experienced fame, women, you know, wealth, at least in third world terms, you know, I even brought my stereo equipment to Sri Lanka, you know, I had a great time, and uh, then, you know, I had to go back to Germany, and I had to make a choice, you know, do I, I want to go back to a bourgeois lifestyle, become a high school teacher, you know, teaching philosophy and fine art, getting very well paid, uh, working half a day, you know, in Germany you only work half a day as a teacher, get paid about double what they get paid in America. Lots of holidays, you know, or do I become a traveler, 
Uh, and a traveler is somebody that, uh, let's say, works in Alaska, you know, or some other very well-paying job for maybe uh, a month, quarter of a year, half a year, and then the rest of the year. You know, you live in the third world where it's nice, you know, Thailand, Goa, Sri Lanka, South America, you, do, you know, you live like a king. Yeah, and uh, it's a very nice lifestyle, you know, and I met a lot of people that are doing that. And uh, I was surely considering this. And uh, the other option I had, you know, was to become an enlightened. And um, I've experienced by then so much bliss and uh, wonderful stuff that uh, I have to say, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, all the other lifestyles, <laughs> you know, they're. Uh, you know they were nice. You know, for, for any any materialist, uh, for materialists, they were really nice. But uh, I decided to become enlightened. So I said goodbye to a good career in the Western world, and uh, I uh, went to India. You know, starting at the uh, bottom of the island, and. Um, I decided, you know, to ask anybody that I knew, that I met, uh, do you uh, know a good ashram where you can stay and, uh, you know, where they're really advanced? Um, and, uh, of course, there was no thing as such, you know. Uh, I mean, I traveled from uh, Rameshwara to Madras where met the false guru and you know where they haven't opened at the train station and you can watch the video when heaven opens uh, and so I, I uh, even you know I traveled all the way up to uh, to Rishikesh and Hawa, you know where in the commercial ashrams you know where people come for two weeks maybe over the weekend to meditate have an intensive and I asked those guys, and they said, no, you should go stay with the yogis in the caves up there. You know, they're serious. You know, they're, they're serious, you know, and uh, you should go to them. And yeah, and I went there, and I found them. And, uh, you know, uh, they were having the Guru Puja and the Hatha Yoga, and I already knew all that stuff, and after two or three days, you know, I realized uh, these guys, they don't have real bliss, you know. I had way more bliss than those guys. <laughs> They're not that enlightened <laughs> either, you know. Sorry, you know, about the judgment, you know, you might think I'm a judgmental uh, butthole, you know, but, uh, you know, I was very serious there, you know, I mean. So I, I I pray to God, you know, and when I realized that, you know, I pray to God, you know, I, I was really serious. This was in the bottom of my heart, you know, I said, you know, I, I traveled all through India. Um, I was looking, you know, everywhere, you know, and I don't know, you know, you help me, you know, I, I really don't know, you know, what to do now. You know, I mean, I, I had maybe 200 bucks when I went to India, and, uh, you know, I was running out of money, and I just said, I don't know. And so the next day, there were uh, two devotees there, 
in the in the uh, cave ashram, and, and you know I talked to them, and they said, yeah, you should go to Bombay. <laughs> you know, that's a good place for Westerners to be. You know, in, uh, in Bollywood, there's a wonderful ashram, and uh, I I did that, and I have to say. Um, this was probably the only ashram in, in India <laughs> that was right for me. And I traveled afterwards all over India and in all kind of temples and ashrams uh, on, on all kinds of missions. And, uh, you know, that was uh, definitely, you know, God pointed me in the right direction, I have to say. So and I had wonderful experiences on the on the way to Bombay. Uh, <laughs> I, I spent 24 hours sitting in front of a couple with the mother-in-law, and the mother-in-law was eating constantly. It was just. <laughs> and then on the next, and they also met a saint, you know, who was going to Vrindavan, and he was retired and a mystic, and you know he said. Uh, you know, he spoke basically no English. And, you know, but he said, you know, ah, you can do it, you can do it. And I'm like, what? And then he opened his crown chakra. I mean, and so, yeah, I could feel it, you know. So we would hang out, you know, just vibing, you know, having nice vibes. <laughs> and opposite of us was a Hindu pimp with his two horse. <laughs> You know, he was smoking hash. <laughs> so we had, you know, the sinful world there, the saint. Uh, it was just so funny, you know. So, uh, you know, the duality was just right there. Very funny. So I, I studied bhakti yoga in a in, in very famous ashram in, in Bollywood, and I would uh, do mantra meditation for two to four hours a day. And uh, uh, I met uh, the famous people there, like, you know, the Biolas, the Hindujas, you know, the richest people of India, and more. I don't name them all. Uh, also, you know, mixed with the Bollywood scene. You know, I, I went to Hema Malini's house and took some photographs, you know, for paintings from her and her child. And uh, some of the celebrities, you know, they, they would greet me when I saw them in a restaurant. And uh, I uh, used my skill as a photographer and in printing. Uh, I have to say, you know, one of my ancestors I think 19th or 18th century, you know, printed 10,000 Bibles. And that was quite a feat in those times. So uh, that karma of printing has always been with me. And my mother, I have to say. We all survived as printers, <laughs> or connected somehow with the printing industry. So uh, I, I took uh, photos. Um, of, of deities and uh, millions and millions and millions of posters were, were sold yeah, all over India. You know, we, I designed calendars uh, that beat the uh, India calendar in an art exhibition. Air India was uh, was the most prestigious calendar in India. You know, I uh, I uh, introduced scanners 
and the latest technology and density meters <laughs> made sure the quality was just right you know we actually fired some printers and you know got our own printing presses and uh, you know it's like uh, very successful very successful and you know this was of course my karma yoga where I worked for free <laughs> worked for free and I, I would uh, fast uh, at certain holidays you know from water from sleep chanting uh, mantras you know Vedic mantras all night long uh, great experiences uh, I would uh, sleep on the marble floor with a two dollar straw mat under me, a pillow and a thin blanket for six years. You don't sleep, you don't oversleep <laughs> when you grow on the hard floor, but you know, it showed me that I can live anywhere. You know, I'm fine. You know, I can eat brown rice, sleep on the floor, I'm, I'm fine. You know, it's very liberating. I exper experimented with mantras, you know, the same mantra I could do it very fast and precise and uh, loud or in the mind only and um, and finally you know it's uh, it came to me uh, you know when uh, any mantra is, is uh, generally connected to a deity you know to a divine multi-dimensional being and when you uh, you have to imagine that this person is in front of you and what do you do when a divine being is in front of you? You, know, you smile, you know, I mean at least from respect if not from love and you know once I started smiling while I was doing my mantras, oh my god, you know the uh, it, it, there was so much bliss, uh, you know I, I had so much bliss, I mean that was like <laughs> That's why I was chanting four hours a day, <laughs> many days. <laughs> you know, because it was so joyful, not discipline, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, I gave up this whole attitude of awe and reverence and just, uh, you know, straight love. And uh, I toured India, you know, doing photography and, and other missions. And I encountered uh, many teachers you know, probably from past lives. Yeah, I encountered gurus from past lives, you know, that actually recognized me, you know, and, and hugged me and gave me pinched my cheek. <laughs> and uh, I had to go to, uh, well, in, let's say for instance, you know, I, I went to Jaipur. You know, Jaipur is this beautiful, beautiful cities with all those palaces and the, the famous uh, altar, you know, uh, temple from Srila Rupa Goswami is there, it's called the Radha Govinda temple and I had to get some statements from those priests there and and they are, uh, it was a strange experience but this is how they do this in India I found out, I mean I was a white guy, you know, and so you know this was uh, the, the the those administrators um you know that were in charge of the temple they were just living in a building that had just sand on the floor and they were sitting on the floor there was just a table and very austere 
And there were actually a family of rats living <laughs> in there. They would just run across the room, and that was all cool. You know, they would not kill those rats or chase them out. That was part of the family, I guess. You know, so that impressed me with those guys. And so they said, you know, just sit there and wait. So I would sit there, you know, for half a day, you know, just just chanting on my my beats, my mala beats, and being in bliss. And then they said, uh, yeah, maybe tomorrow I, I give you your document. And they said, you know, yes, just go there and, and sit there, you know. And uh, I would, <laughs> you know, meditate, chant on my beats. And uh, I, I think this happened for about two and a half days. And then, you know, he gave me the papers that I, uh, that I needed. And he actually invited me to come onto the altar, you know, of those uh, famous Radha Govinda deities. Uh, there were some upset people in the <laughs> in the crowd there, <laughs> you know, seeing a white guy, you know, on that altar, you know, and uh, uh, I got an apple thrown at my head, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, one of those experiences. Uh, I got invited by the Lion Club, you know, all members, elect doctors, professor, highly educated people, and I would uh, preach to them, and it was amazing, you know, when I was, would talk to them, uh, it was as if that wisdom was flowing through me, and I was like watching and saying, wow, you know, I've never seen myself like that. <laughs> and they were like all in bliss and smiling, and um, so probably, you know, I was getting empowered, you know, preaching from the heart, and uh, started channeling, you know. Uh, it was very nice, and also uh, when I, uh, probably your Hindus will know, there's this famous Nachi deity in Natavara, and I was invited to this temple too, and I was standing like all the way in the back. They have like a theater-like, you know, steps, you know, um, so everybody can see the altar, and... Um, I was, you know, when I came in there, you know, I, I felt I was coming home. Uh, just the feeling of, of coming home after a long time. And I just started sobbing. I just cried. I mean, just, you know, I, I rarely sobbed that much, that's, that strongly in my life up till then. Yeah, this was probably the strongest sobbing I've done till then. <laughs> and the priest, they, sh they throw like kumkum powder, you know, into the crowd. And uh, Nachi Didi is, is like a child form of Krishna, so he's very playful, trickster, you know, he's a little rascal, you know. And so I'm like in the middle of crying, and then, boom, you know, I get hit by like, you know, a big, big, big chunk of kumkum powder, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, the priest normally couldn't throw that far. But, you know, so I knew, like, Nachi, he was, like, tipping me on the head. Uh, once in Dwarka, uh, I was in, in the temple up there, and uh, was standing in front of the altar. And, you know, I looked to the side, and there was this beautiful yogi. I mean, you know, very noble face, uh, you know, very radiant, beautiful chiseled body, I mean, a really a noble person, and there, there was also a female there, and she was kind of swaying around, and and she she looked like a 
great yogini, good energy, you know, time kind of ageless, you could hard to tell her age. And, you know, I, at that time, looking at them, I knew exactly what they were doing. They were running energy, you know, tantric energy, white tantra. They were doing white tantra. I knew exactly what they were doing. So, um, you know, that means, you know, I was a tantric myself in past lives. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, India is definitely fouled. It's the most fouled country I've seen so far in my life. And I've been to Nepal and uh, I've seen Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, you know, Turkey and Norway and, uh, you know, I've been around. So, so when I was in Pandrapur, uh, there was a big uh, mela there, it means a spiritual gathering. And I walked along this road and the road was lined with lepers you know I mean, leprosy lepers you know people you know whose nose falling off whose fingers and toes are fell off you know those kind of guys hundreds uh, it was several miles there were maybe a thousand lepers maybe more i think there were several thousand lepers maybe up to two thousand lepers i saw at the same time you know to see something like that is just like mind-blowing you know so um, after you know basically to, to to live in India you know to learn the culture there uh, was a great eye-opener you know uh, just because it is so different you know from Western culture you know, and uh, you know, I got a completely new perspective. You know, on Western culture. You know, uh, in the Western culture, you know, the sick, elderly, and crippled, you know, put away in homes, locked away. And in India, you know, if you're crippled, <laughs> you're put on display by your handlers to make money. You know, and I see people dying in the road, and people defecating on the road. You know, it's just and life is cheap very cheap and there's people everywhere you know uh, it's a completely gives a completely different outlook on life you become very detached so then but ultimately you know for a variety of reason you know I joined my spiritual teacher in uh, in America in West Virginia and where he had a spiritual community you know living off the land protecting cows, uh, of course being strict vegetarian. And uh, so he decided, my guru decided to break away from the Hindu tradition, you know, the Hindu trappings like, and to uh, westernize his teachings, you know, to uh, have a greater audience for the teachings. And uh, he actually formed an interfaith community. And many people, when they hear interface, they think Christians, you know, the Methodists, you know, getting along with the Baptists. No, 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 no. This was like Native Americans, Sufi, <laughs> Kundalini Yoga people, New Age people, their channel. Um, uh, Native American sweat lodge, we did fire walking. I mean, you know, we had them all come, you know, there for festivals, and also they joined and lived there. And oh God, you know, I made friends with them all. 
And so uh, I, you know, I learned from all of them. You know, we did. Uh, I did rebirthing. You know, so demons surface. <laughs> Doing the rebirth and session, I did hands-on healings, worked with crystals, I did Sufi color breathing techniques, I, I learned and taught Kundalini yoga, you know, I, I did past life regression. I, I had a friend, she was a retired uh, professor and, you know, we, we got together into past life regression, you know, guided meditation and uh, channeling, you know, I was the person that was asking the question, you know, she was channeling all kinds of entities, you know, and I had scriptural knowledge, and some of those beings from the scriptures actually appeared. <laughs> very, very interesting. And um, so uh, I was definitely, uh, you know, comparing all those uh, techniques, and uh, I was very impressed by Kundalini Yoga. But I combined that those teachings, you know, with the projection of love. You know, with Kundalini Yoga, you you create a lot of energy. But those guys don't smile, you know. So, but when you do this and you smile, and then we should run this around in a circle. Oh God, this was was awesome. And um, so I I liked that. I think this was one of the most potent forms. I liked breath work in general as also being extremely potent and um, also uh, past life regressions. Um, and uh, just to give you an example of, about the power of past life regressions, you know, at one of those interface festivals, there were three ladies, uh, they were friends, and uh, you know, I had to book them all at the same time because there was no time, you know, there was too much demand on my skills. And so I was just, you know, getting them, you know, into their trance state and then just, you know, talking to the first one, getting her going on something, then the second one, and then the third one, just like a chess master goes from chessboard to chessboard. And then after half an hour, you know, one of the ladies said, Oh my God, I have been, you know, sexually abused by my father. And you know, and then the, the 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 thing came, and I have been in psychotherapy for one and a half years for seventy-five dollars a session, and I did not find out. And here, I'm half an hour into your session, and I'm finding this out. So this kind of showed me the the potency, you know, of just you know getting in touch with the high self, telling the high self, please let us know the most important issues and just, you know, taking it from there, you know, having the subconscious you know, say, oh yeah, you know, here, this is what we have to work with, <laughs> this is what we need, <laughs> you know, and here's a biggie, you know, so much faster than just talking through, you know, and so much deeper, anyhow. So, um, that was really important and, uh, you know, and of course channeling, you know, so, uh, we wanted to know, you know, I mean, uh, we're probably not humans here, you know. Uh, you know, in the Vedas, you know, they, of course, they talk, you know, they have uh, the aliens, different types of aliens, you know. Uh, you know, there are so many names given and characteristics, you know, that we're visiting and interacting, you know, in a hostile or friendly manners. And so, you know, we asked, you know, hey, what kind of uh, do I? Where do I come from? From which star system? You know, and that was funny. They just laughed, 
and they said, oh, you are a star hopper. <laughs> I'm like, star hopper, what is this? Well, you are incarnated on all kinds of star systems. <laughs> you go from star system to star system. Okay. So uh, then I also wanted to know, you know, where I was incarnated on this planet, you know, as in a human form. You know, uh, let's say, you know, I am Egyptian or only Hindu or, or what. And then they also said, oh no, you have been incarnated, you know, whenever it was happening, you know, <laughs> in any culture where it was happening, you were there, <laughs> you were a mover and shaker in all the major cultures. So, and I, I found this to be uh, true, you know, through other mystics, and but also through my clients. Uh, like, you know, Dolores Cannon, you know, when she had her clients, you know, deep under, you know, um, she would get a lot of uh, messages and uh, insights when she was asking questions. So, you know, this was kind of my process, too. So, um, so whenever, you know, somebody's in a past life, let's say, you know, I had a client uh, wanted to know about the Native American background, so they were showing, they were in Sedona, wearing, you know, at the vortexes doing ceremony. And, um, you know, so whenever people see themselves in important parts in their past lives, you know, I, I ask them the questions, is there anybody that you recognize, you know, in, in, in this time, in your past life, that uh, you know, you know, in this lifetime, you know, and um, you know, yeah, <laughs> you are there. That's one of the shamans doing the ceremony, you know, and and uh, you know, happen, I've been in many past lives, you know, in all these different cultures, whether it's Maya, you know, or uh, I was a prophet, or first a good prophet, then a false prophet in Egypt. Uh, where I lost my connection with divine guidance, and but still telling the the pharaoh to go to war, and, and then this whole army got wiped out. He got killed, and the city was ransacked. So I don't tell people anymore. You know, since that lifetime, I don't tell people anymore. You know how to live their life. You know, I get them in touch with their own guidance, but I do not like to be the psychic for people. All right, don't ask me. <laughs> so you know, I, I was a gladiator, uh, and then I was a gladiator trainer, and you know, in that lifetime, also became a healer in Rome. Uh, I was a bishop in Britain. You know, uh, I was a judge during the Inquisition. At the bishop in Britain, I was interested. I would just, I was, you know, a normal priest initially and I would just talk to people's high self M you know my high self would talk to their high self and, and, and then I would you know do accordingly but <laughs> that was pretty interesting so I was quite advanced there you know so I was the judge doing the inquisition you know checking out the dark side and there was a walk on the dark side and um, many light workers have have been uh, walking on the dark side I was like a son of Attila the Hun, you know, and, you know, I met one of my brothers, I mean, he had lots of princes, you know, <laughs> he was doing lots of raping, and uh, so we played games like, who can kill the most people in one day, 
And the, the record was, I think, like 250, 350, something like that. So that's the damn games we played. I uh, was a Tibetan master, you know, and I was told. So, you know, who went after a sect that was probably kind of off. I was a spiritual master in Benares, Varanasi, you know, and one of my disciples, you know, reached Mukti liberation and came back, you know, to help me in uh, some of my work, you know, <laughs> entered one of my clients in short yoga. Uh, I uh, sent thousands of ghosts that uh, died, you know, before the French Revolution, there was this five-year mini ice age, you know, hard winters, and because of the mismanagement of royalty, uh, you know, th thousands and thousands and thousands of people died, and my family died too, and I was ticked off, you know, and uh, I sent uh, several thousand ghosts, you know, to the uh, royal family, <laughs> you know, you're angry, go there. They did it. You know. And uh, I uh, met uh, some of those people in this lifetime. You know, I, <laughs> I released those ghosts. <laughs> so um, I uh, also was a heavy duty priest uh, in Atlantis. I tried to uh, prevent the downfall from Atlantis, the corruption. I uh, definitely was attacked there too. And um, I knew my wife in Atlantis in several incarnations. Uh, she would make custom wands for me. You know, my wife that I'm married to right now, Ishani. And uh, also was deeply involved in the Shiva and Vaishnava teachings in India. Uh, I was associated with the Pleading Gods and I was very rich during the uh, US Civil War. I was in the North. I uh, was a gay slave in Sparta. Then there was a slave culture there and I was a slave and I seduced my master to <laughs> get some kind of control. And I also once was a rich Spartan merchant that weighed 350 pounds. I was a loculous type of person, just eating delicacies, and I love cooking in this lifetime. And uh, of course, you know, uh, anybody that knows about the Spartans, you know, they used to live off blood and sleep on the floor, you know, completely martial arts, austere culture. And I, and their money was like crude iron, so you couldn't accumulate or transport your wealth. And I was a rich merchant and a glutton. <laughs> you can't imagine the shame <laughs> that must have been there. So, uh, you know, past life regressions are there to learn, not to flatter your ego. And um, I was an African shaman. I saw myself doing the initiation rites. And I was also an African chief. Um, every male in, in my tribe you know, had to do two hours of training, you know, weight training, martial arts training, <laughs> you know. Everybody was like super buff, you know, fierce warriors. Nobody messed with that, you know, we had peace. Basically, we paid taxes in investing into our 
you know, fitness and, uh, you know, that paid off big time. And um, what else? Uh, well, there were also some past lives where I was compared to certain archetypes in Star Wars. But, uh, you know, probably what I said so now is controversial enough. So anyhow, peeking into the other side was quite interesting and not always flattering. And, uh, you know, talking to a lot of high selves and finding out, you know, what screwed up where and how karma goes and how important forgiveness is and, you know, finding out the intricacies, you know, the divine plan behind things. Uh, is, oh, God. I mean, learning scriptures is one thing, but, you know, having direct contact with the other side and and karma and releasing it and then feeling all those energies leave, you know, it's, it's not just, um, you know, Larry Fari, no, you, you feel, you feel when, when you release karma, when some scars are being released, you can feel that, you know, so this is not BS. Well, on the physical, <laughs> I, I've never been like, really like, you know, just following the party line, always, you know, uh, trying to think outside the box. So I experimented a lot, you know, so I built big copper tubes, copper tube pyramids, you know, uh, reinforced, you know, with, uh, with crystals, double terminators and other crystals, you know, that I got from Arkansas. Uh, I made, meditated on them, slept in them. I made paper pyramids and, you know, foot foot wide paper pyramids, rows of threes and sevens. I slept over twenty one paper pyramids. <laughs> That's quite juicy. And um I ultimately uh commissioned uh, when I got into crystals, you know, commissioned a wand, you know, from uh my future wife Ishani, you know, who was a juror. And uh, then she started coming to my Kundalini yoga classes, and eventually I gave up my 12 years of celibacy. <laughs> and um, then uh, my spiritual teacher got assassinated by a demonic entity that had possessed uh, what I assume is, was probably a Manchurian candidate, maybe not, but he possessed that entity possessed uh, that person that was envious and angry at least at the least that is actually very obvious to me and uh, my teacher survived and getting his uh, brain mashed in you know his soul left and uh, he had a walk-in I mean, this is controversial but my assessment is he had a walk-in which was really interesting and uplifting, you know, having this new soul in there and uh, having all this really high vibration in there, but uh, unconditional love of a child. But uh, then, you know, um, more and more, you know, he had to live off the memory tapes of, of my guru and just go about, going by route and tradition. And I think, I don't know, the crown tracker maybe got screwed up and um so I was not channeling 
you know, divine guidance anymore versus following scriptures and going by route. So ultimately I rejected. It was very hard for me. I rejected my guru. Uh, took my power back and became a heretic. That's what I am now. And uh, went into the world again. Uh, I uh, lived in a major city in the southwest. I uh, worked as a cameraman for a very high-end production company, you know, Betacam cameras, $45,000 a piece. They had three, worked with jibs, you know, uh, interviewed a lot of CEOs and, you know, did a lot of big gigs. You know, people have to pay a thousand bucks for me to show up. I mean, I didn't get that money. <laughs> but I handled the responsibility, let's say. I also worked uh, as of a year for Channel 4 News, prize-winning, uh, very demanding uh, job. Uh, got to meet a lot of politicians. They asked for me for years, years afterwards. What happened to Wolfgang? Where's Wolfgang? They remember me. I must have made quite an impression. <laughs> so um, I did a lot of corporate gigs and uh, I also uh, did a healing circle a few times. You know, uh, there was there were like a meditation group of 30 people, 30, 40 people. And I arranged them in a circle, and we took love from heaven and earth, and sent it to the left side, and awesome energy, awesome energy. And then we put somebody in the middle, and they were getting so much love, and we projected that love onto these, these people in the middle, and within probably a minute or two, you know, they were just cracking up, crying, um, from so much love, they, they they received so much love, you know, that was so unused to them, and they just cried and cried. I mean, it was really uh, liberating crying, you know, it was was awesome. And um, then, you know, I uh, started doing my own healing classes. Um, had a lot of Reiki masters coming to me to learn my different techniques, you know, past life regressions, and, and this time I did about a thousand soul searches, you know, with people, that's what I call them. I'm not always going to pass lives, you know, it's, uh, you know, meeting your higher self, meeting your inner child, and, uh, you know, meeting your totem animals, you know, talking to them, see what's up, doing healings. Mother Mary, you know, I, I worked with her a lot, and so many people, you know, could smell the roses, you know, when she was there. A lot of... Uh, Mexicans, you know, they, you know, I had whole families and, you know, they saw Mother Mary, you know, I mean, she appeared to them, you know, I didn't see her, I can just feel her and, and, and smell her, you know, but there's, they saw her, you know, so, uh, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, having all those experiences. So, uh, I also managed, uh, uh, the only New Age store in a city of a million people, and <laughs> you know, of course, uh, played around with all those toys and uh, advised customers. You know, souped up singing bowls, read all the books, uh, 
managed all the psychics. <laughs> uh, one psychic, you know, uh, and her husband was an anesthesiologist, basically was a doctor. But she had asthma and she, many times she would come and uh, you know, just gasping for breath, and you know, as you know, and clients waiting for her. You know, she's a very good psychic. You know, clients just waiting for her, and she said, "No, I can't do it. You know, I'm I'm going home. You know, and I just ah, just come on here. You know, and in front of all those people, I blew a conch on her. You know, used my wand, cleared her, you charged up her lung access points, and she was fine." You know, it took me about two and a half minutes, and she was fine. You know, people like, <laughs> looking, it's like, <laughs> blowing their minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, there was a lot of military there, you know. Uh, handlers with uh, psychics being there, and uh, uh, one, one captain. <laughs> considered himself a healer. I don't know what kind of program he came from. And he, he wanted to uh, figure me out, you know, came to my my circle, <laughs> you know, to check me out. He passed out <laughs> every time, about three, four times he tried it. You know, and he was a willpower guy. He tried everything to stay awake. But every every time, after about 10, 20 minutes, you know, he was like completely passed out. I mean, <laughs> and we thought it was very, very funny, uh, you know. Anyhow, so uh, I also, you know, worked with uh, special forces. You know, guy had his Kundalini go off when he was seventeen, and you know, had problems all his life. You know, I fixed it in one personal session. I just, you know, changed it. And uh, he was very, very grateful, very grateful. And uh, then, you know, he had the choice about several missions. And, you know, uh, we explored possible futures. It uh, uh, probably saved his life, you know. So they are good, good people in the military. They are good people in the military. But um, frankly, um, I, I don't want to work with my lab people you know, people that have been programmed, super soldiers, it's too dangerous for me, you know. I'm not set up for this, so please don't contact me, you know, with this. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, uh, I don't know what kind of subpersonalities I'm awakening and, and then, you know, uh, having dealing, having to deal with demons and, and stuff like this. So, you know, also don't come to me, you know, with black magic and gin trouble you know I, I don't I don't want to deal with this you know I'm, I'm here to teach love and light and to connect people to their inner guidance you know but I'm I'm not to fight these kind of battles for people sorry well um, so my wife she you know makes magic wands the real stuff and you know I show how to use them You've probably seen maybe some of my videos. If not, check them out. I mean, it's not the wand that does the work. The, 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 it's the, the energy that you run through it. 
you know. So I can run the energy through my hands or through a pencil if I have to, you know. But of course, a wand is, is much better. And she also uh, makes crowns and, you know, crowns with all their jewels, you know, they soup up your crown chakra, you know, and your third eye. So uh, I uh, uh, was on, for years and years, I went to uh, many gemma mineral shows, selling those, demonstrating them, doing the Muktananda thing, zipping people up. And I also went to many New Age shows, like Hands of Light, you know, there are many New Age shows, New York, San Francisco, Columbus, Ohio, you know. And of course, uh, I checked out everything that was there, you know, all the teachings, all the gadgets. So, you know, uh, maybe I find something better. <laughs> and, you know, I found a lot of good stuff there. So, you know, as I said, I'm open-minded and I just like to use tools, you know, see how effective they are. I'm not attached to any dogma. Yeah, it's not my style. So, um, then uh, I left this, uh, this city in the southwest because ultimately they're going to be running out of water. And um, then I went to uh, a beautiful city, a little city, uh, that's where I'm now, uh, next to the highest mountain on the east coast. Uh, uh, there's supposed to be a huge crystal here under the mountains, and that's uh, the big central node for the whole east coast. And um, it's too small, you know, to support me as a light worker, at least in my opinion. Uh, and so I uh, worked in the printing industry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I worked blue-collar jobs on the floor. You know, printing can be very frustrating. And I learned how to keep my crown chakra open and my heart chakra open under those very, very challenging uh, circumstances, you know, to, to keep you, you open your crown chakra and your heart chakra and being grounded in an ashram or a meditation room or in nature, that's easy. But doing it like when there's uh, thumping machines around you, when you're surrounded by electromagnetic fields out the gazoo, heavy transformer, frustrated people, <laughs> that is a different thing. So that was a uh, uh, you know, uh, good training for me. And then I, of course, discovered Skype, and I realized that, um, you know, through Skype, you know, you can send energy. I mean, I had a, a lady in, uh, in London, you know, and I'm just showing the heart chakra thing, projecting my heart chakra, And she could feel it in London right away, you know. So it's an argument, you know, for the holotropic universe, you know. Uh, we are connected and time and space doesn't matter, you know. You can project these energies across time and space. You know, even if it's from a video that has been recorded, the energy still comes through. In a way, it's holographic, 
it's holographic, you know, it's all connected. So, um, I, uh, so I can do some kind of energy work, but I don't like to do energy work on people. You know, I, I wake them up to how to access the energy themselves, you know, through the earth, through the heavens, through the crown chakra, the higher dimensions, bring it into the heart, project it, you know, uh, to your inner child, to me, I give feedback, you know, show how important smiling is. And, um, you know, and then of course, you know, communicate through sub-personalities and uh, going into past life if necessary. Uh, I uh, take care of a lot of ghosts, a lot of ghosts. Um, I've been uh, sending sometimes whole tribes of Native Americans that got slaughtered, you know, into the next world um, from civil war people that got killed, you know, those individuals. They were standing in line and I did not have any peace anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I closed the door to that, you know, um, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, unless through a client, you know, if there's a client, um, I take care of this. And it's amazing how many clients are harassed by ghosts or have been possessed by a ghost, you know, from car accidents, anesthesia, intoxication. Some people have enemy ghosts that hate their guts, you know, follow them from incarnation to incarnations. Some people have lovers that are attached and just follow them from incarnation to incarnations and, you know, they're jealous of their wives and you know, husbands and create a lot of troubles. So <laughs> it's very interesting. And I don't chase them out, you know, I get them into heaven. You know, then, you know, once they're in heaven, they're connected to their high self again and they get their wisdom back and then they're not a problem anymore. And, um, so, you know, this is a waking up for me, you know, uh, um, who I am, you know, what I can do, uh, and um, so also the people I meet, you know, I, I've met uh, people, I've met people that I killed as a gladiator, uh, I've met people that killed me and cursed me, and uh, I find out about curses, I release curses, at least for myself. Uh, I met a boss of mine that had me whipped as a slave. And, and he wasn't a happy person, I have to say, in this lifetime. I have uh, met uh, women that I loved and that loved me and we got separated through war or death at sea. I lifted curses off my ancestors and uh, tracked on entities that try to hurt and sabotage me through my incarnations. I apologize to people that are around. And, uh, yeah, so I had a lot of run-ins with the dark side and um, you know, that comes with the territory. And let's say, you know, I have some razors in my shoe <laughs> for those kind of things and other surprises. And uh, I also have a quite a potent celestial ancestry and I have my back. So, 
don't try anything, I would say, for the both of us. Um, so I, I don't use my energy. I just hold space for people and teach them. Um, I uh, work a lot with higher dimensionals, with gods. Um, uh, they come when I call them. It's probably not so much because of my power, but more like because the ego to contact us humans at this special time of awakening, you know. And uh, you know, my clients are coming from all kinds of paths of life. You know, a few can see their past lives with their eyes open. Um, like, oh God, you know, there was this uh, lady. You know, I was at a concert and. You know, she comes up and said, yeah, this person sent me to you. I'm supposed to learn about shamanism. <laughs> and she was Native American. And um, so just standing right there, you know, I, I took her under. I invited her shaman. And, you know, there was an old shaman teacher of her. And I uh, hooked her up, you know showed her how, they how she can interface with this being and, you know, how she can receive teachings and communicate with her. And that took 30 minutes. And then the next day I asked her to do a healing on me with this shaman teachers of her, you know, just to burn it in. And she did, and she could heal something that nobody before could ever heal, just like that. So, you know, that was very very rewarding and uh, so uh, you know some some people just, just you know they're very psychic they just have to get the hang of it you know starting in baby steps you know talking to the inner child and soon you know many times through the uh, same session they get pretty clear guidance and as mental concepts or as visuals or you know they feel things and uh, some clients, you know, they, I cannot get uh, full guidance, you know, they cannot communicate. And most of them are just so full of pain and, and blocks from trauma, you know, uh, or from ghosts that, uh, you know, I, they need just breath work and intent and other techniques, uh, you know, so to clear this pain. And But then they can uh, get in touch with their guidance, you know. And, you know, I, I like when they can get in touch with their guidance. I don't like to do things for people. And, uh, you know, and then there, I mean, I've encountered uh, avatars and all kinds of high selves. And, you know, gods, Olympic gods, uh, all, you know, higher dimensional races. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I had all this training in Vedic scriptures, you know, and how to... <laughs> deal with those beings and um, also I'm aware of the deep conspiracy <laughs> so uh, I don't get my blind blown anymore <laughs> you know so um, I work a lot with angels and so um, well this is just uh, about me here you know um, I hope I don't come across as an egomaniac uh, I, uh, I'm glad I had this lifetime, though it was not always not always easy. 
but on the long run, you know, I have to say, you know, my life has become more and more joyful, you know, where the bliss, the love, is just becomes a, a permanent state for me, you know, and uh, please understand if you have been watching up to now, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that is, there's a special message here for you, you know, there is a trigger here for you, um, or maybe you're supposed to work with me, and um, so, you know, just meditate on it, or use your pendulum and find out, you know, yes or no question, can Wolfgang help me in some way, you know, and uh, when you click below the picture, you know, there is a show more uh, button there, it's just the text in YouTube, and when you press that, um, there's a drop-down menu opens up and, you know, you find all kinds of links, you know, to my website, to my email, um, through video, other videos <coughs> I made, and just uh, take it from there, you know, follow your bliss and guidance. And again, you know, I love you. Namaste.